Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Ezekiel 47 verse 12. This is a pretty famous verse. This is a pretty famous chapter actually from Ezekiel. It's an amazing river that Ezekiel is prophesying about and it originates from the house of the Lord. It's mentioned in the book of Joel, 250 years before Ezekiel and in Zechariah after the Babylonian exile. And the river from God's sanctuary will flow into the Dead Sea where there's no life and it will cause it to bring forth waters teeming with fish. And the teaching here is literal. God really does mean what he says. We don't have to force our own meaning upon it. Alva McLean says the stream issues from the temple. It grows to immense size. The beneficial qualities of its fruit, its perennial flow in summer and in winter all emphasize the supernatural nature of the stream. There is nothing at all inherently impossible in such a phenomenon. Why should anyone stumble at the idea of a beautiful stream springing up at the geographical center of our Lord's blessed kingdom on earth with healing in both its waters and the fruit which grows beside it? Is there anything incredible here? If we remember that the coming king is the one who once turned water into wine and sent the sightless man to wash away his blindness in the waters of Siloam. What a visible symbol this will be to remind the nations of the unfailing blessings which will flow from the throne of the son of David. And from this shrine, none will go away in heartbreaking disappointment because no help has been found. Let's be thankful for the Lord's greatness. Hello, welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNinney, and I'm here to dispel any preconceived ideas you may have about what educating your children at home looks like. It can be straightforward school or no school at all. It can involve world travel or a comfy seat, comfy seat on the couch. It can be in pursuit of passions or simply hanging out in a tree. And sometimes it can make us wonder what on earth we're doing. For the last few weeks, I've been talking to mums who have been walking through the fire of compromised income, illness and disappointments of one kind or another. And I hope that you found encouragement and strength from what these women have had to offer. Their presence makes one feel that we're not alone and that in the end, somehow we will be strengthened and heartened from unexpected places. I had my fair share of ups and downs too and persevering with homeschooling brought me much joy. I saw the light bulbs go on and there and was there for the turning points in my my children's lives, some uplifting, some not so uplifting. With God and my family, I've moved in and out of my comfort zones, gained insights and delights along the way, and I'm here to share them with you. I'm broadcasting live today from Lucas, Texas for the last time. It's a little on the chilly side and the fountain has frozen the last three nights, leaving behind lovely stalactites that wouldn't last two minutes with my children around. 
After the first break, I'm thrilled to be welcoming back Polly Wright, who's going to be sharing some difficult moments in her homeschooling experience. Polly is the founder of We Are Cherished, a group dedicated to reaching women in the sex industry and empowering them to discover they are loved, valued, and cherished. She'll be with me in a, a little later, so stay tuned. I am drinking my customary hot water and I'm all set. So grab whatever it is that you're drinking and let me engage you with the latest and greatest from the household of the Magnenis, where I'll be talking about silent companions, dinner with children, good films, and the germ of a Thanksgiving plan and other changes. Are you ready? There are dogs that roam free around the neighborhood that I'm currently living in. And the couple who live on our street are both Labradors. Couple of dogs, not couples. <laughs> and one is golden. Her name is Sixty because her owner was given her as a present when she turned 60. She's the boss of the neighborhood and will bark at me as I sit outside with my afternoon cuppa. Sometimes I spy her doing her rounds in the morning outside my bedroom window. One day, I was in the kitchen, and I saw her drinking out of the water fountain, so I went outside to make her acquaintance, but she didn't hear me. In the end, I had to raise my voice and call her name, and she looked in the opposite direction from where I was standing and jumped out of her skin. When she turned and saw me, she fled. The owner of our house where we're living laughed because she's the bully on the block, and I got one up on her. She looks old, and she couldn't hear very well, but she's only five. Some labs are like that, a little bit sluggish and a little bit overweight. The other lab is a chocolate softie who thinks everyone is his friend, although he too is a little nervous at first, called Dave. What's with these original names around here? He'll bark at me as I near the end of the road on my walk, and he'll come after me as much as to say, and don't you come back. Yesterday, I went out clad in layers of summer clothes. It's dipped to about 30 degrees or so. For some reason, I have no winter clothes with me. I suppose moving in when the temperatures outside is in the mid-80s does that. Anyway, Dave barked at me, and I called him over and said, let's go for a walk, Dave, and left without a backward glance, and sure enough, he followed me. He was quiet company and kept his own pace, stopping when it suited him, sometimes rushing ahead to lead the way and chasing all the squirrels. He came with me once around the small community and then cast off back home when he realized I was making my rounds again. There is another dog that sees me off. He's a pit bull and quite friendly, but not extremely trusting. He's called Zeus. He'll come out for a stroke if he's guarding the land when I walk past. Sometimes... If the horses aren't too busy, yes, there are horses around here too, munching grass or feeding on their hay. One will come over for a little bit of a visit. When I get my phone out for a photo shoot, he'll nuzzle my hand as if it's food. I would take him a carrot or an apple, but I don't think it's all right to feed someone else's pet. A donkey brays at me too as I go past, but he's in the back pasture, so I don't get to cl get close up to him. Other other sights I catch are chickens, and there's a rooster called Francois. The owners of these fowl have done a really good job on their hen house, and they even have a sink with running water to hose it down. I've never seen anyone out to ask if they sell their eggs, so I'm having to make do with eggs laid by vegetarian chickens. My cowboy says that means they aren't fed bits of chicken in their feed. 
There are barn cats that come and visit us when we're taking tea outside. Three of them, a lovely blue-gray long-haired one, an orange marmalade tabby, and a yellow and brown striped tabby. They purr really loudly and jump on my lap, and they even try to drink my tea. Their ears have long tufts of hair in them that makes me think that they could be part bobcat. Their tails are big and bushy, but they themselves are very thin. Our host says the owner never feeds them, saying that they can fend for themselves. And I saw the grey cat doing just that this week from my bedroom window. I heard a scrabbling up the tree outside and then a squealing, and I thought she'd caught a mouse or a rat up the tree. I was wrong. She, they're all females to me, came down the tree dragging a squirrel that was squealing like a stuck pig. The cat paused at the bottom of the tree, shifted the squirrel a little, and the animal stopped struggling and went limp. And I watched as that cat dragged her catch between her front legs off to the barn. It was easily two-thirds her size. I've never seen that. Squirrels are fast. This cat was faster. I was suitably impressed. My Texan and I saw another of the cats do the same thing a couple of days later. The cat had to stop several times as she made her way to the barn, dragging her dinner. But she had to stop to catch her breath. Those squirrels are probably heavy. My cowboy thought that she was going to deposit her catch on the front porch of the house next to the barn where they live as cats are wont to do. But she continued on to the barn, too darn hungry to give anything away. And talking about being hungry, we took Chinese food over to Dort's about 45 minutes away she lives. So we made it a, a trip, an event. We had a good evening with her boyfriend and the dog Titan, a miniature schnauzer, who is very well behaved, I have to admit. My filmmaker son had sent me back with a present for Dorts from California, a picture frame that resembles the one in the series Friends that they had on their front door surrounding the peephole. Ian and I had chosen a photo to go in it to remind Malia of their roommate days, and he'd printed bromates on it and gave me instructions to take it over and I put it on her magnetic front door just below the peephole. I did and I took a photo of her discovering it, which she did because I stuck it there when she wasn't looking. Not an easy accomplishment in a 500 square foot flat. Good job, mum, my son texted me. We also went over to my other son's for breakfast and I ate eggs and bacon with Pigwidgeon the owl sitting watching me. He had little mice bits, but he was, he was polite. He didn't eat his mouse while I was eating my eggs. We've been to see a couple of films. Mr. Pip was good with Hugh Laurie about life in Papua New Guinea and how he read Great Expectations to the Islanders. It was based on a true story. We went the day after it came out and there were only five of us in the theater. What a shame because it really was a terrific film. And this week... I'm bringing you my final conversation in my series about homeschooling in the face of adversity. How do homeschoolers handle real life when it hits their families, be it a marital struggle, pagan children, our progeny finding themselves, also known as rebellion, health problems and unexpected additions to the family. In other words, when things just aren't going as smoothly as we'd like in the homeschool. My guests and I have explored questions like, did you think homeschooling would be the answer to raise 
raising your children? Did you think they'd be immune from the secular world? What happens when illness strikes or unemployment hits and goes on and on, or a host of other obstacles that seem to be taking us away from the task in hand? How do we cope? So far, I've talked to a mother who had years of unemployment to deal with, as well as a very large family, and another mum whose husband broke his neck and wasn't wasn't only out of work, but also an invalid that she had to deal with. I've talked to a couple about their severely challenged daughter and a mother whose pregnancies were very difficult. During these shows, I hope you found advice and encouragement when the humdrum of reality sets in pointers on how to face obstacles. We've explored the question, what happens when life happens? We tend to respond to traumatic experiences in one of two ways, defeat or resiliency. All of the mothers I spoke to found the path of resiliency enlarge their capacity and with that i have to go on a break how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Familia, faith, identity, tradición. Latina life is never boring, but it can be muy dramática. So how do you coexist between the old school ways of la abuela and the new school life you're creating for yourself without losing your faith, familia, identity, or tradiciones? Welcome to Living Latina with Francesca Escoto, where culture curls and curves collide in one spicy cross-cultural conversation that will leave you begging for mas. Francesca tackles all the important issues, from politics to family values, to religion to, you guessed it, relationships and men. As Chief Everything Officer at the Wow Factor, Francesca is passionate about showing women of all cultures, ages, and lifestyles how to rock what they've got with style, sass, and smarts. Be sure to join her every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time for Living Latina, only on the WooHoo Radio Network. This is the Tokinet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your High on Life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny. 
Returning to my show this afternoon is Polly Wright, whom I met many years ago, and she was just a little girl, and I worked with her mother. We talked about that a year and a half ago, so check out the show on my website. While I was busy homeschooling my brood, Polly was busy growing up. Polly and her husband have beautiful twin girls who have gone off to college this year. I reconnected with her mother about the time Polly and her husband accepted the challenge from God to start homeschooling their girls. Unbeknownst to her, God was slowly beginning a change in their lives. And in 2010, God called Polly to start We Are Cherished, a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry and provides the community they need when they're ready to leave and start the journey to break the chains of bondage through prayer and testimony. Today, we're going to be talking about aspects of homeschooling that were a challenge. And you'll soon hear Polly's infectious laugh as she talks about her journey and how God worked through her. Welcome back to my show this afternoon, Polly. Hi, Vivian. It's good to talk to you again. Well, good, good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Well, yeah. Well, so I mentioned that um, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, when the homeschool didn't look exactly um, how you anticipated it. And I know you came into homeschooling a little bit later. Your children were in, your girls were in seventh grade, and you had made the decision, which we talked about the last time, uh, based on just, um, I think, your family and how it wasn't you you were the perfect family on the outside but on the inside Mm. things weren't going quite the same as you were projecting and so you wanted to deal with that so when you um got into homeschooling you know after the first year or so um did it meet all of your expectations or were there there's some things in there that you thought oh gosh it was easier when they were at school did you ever have those (laughs) thoughts Yes, absolutely. Um, it was it was a different, difficult challenge. The first year was the hardest, especially the transition of just you know we're kind of unschooled mm-hmm. in seventh grade. You know we did some some web stuff and things like that. But my girls, especially Natalie, she was very itchy to be you know with a, a lot of people because she loved that aspect of school. So there was the challenge in that of really going. Okay, we've really pulled out of you know, the the public school where, you know, you've just got all these people all the time to going, okay, now how do we um, get them involved and get them to create friendships and lives and things like that where they're not just at home with each other. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a big struggle for us for the first year. And, but you did something about that. We did. Um, <laughs> our girls are very athletic and they love sports and we, um, got involved. I started coaching a, um, a homeschool uh, volleyball with the homeschool athletic association called DISA. Mm-hmm. And, um, the girls started playing volleyball and loved it. And that became a huge part of, um, our girls, friendships, sisters, you know, family, things like that. Um, and, and having a common goal and learning all these life lessons with each other. And then also we, we, ended up doing a co-op called Dominion Equippers. And that was a huge blessing because they got to have different aspects of teaching, which was really important for us at the time. And, um, and, uh, and then made a lot of friends through that too. So are these all, are these homeschool groups? Yes, they're homeschool groups and they're big and amazing. (laughs) Oh, really? And so very, were they very uh, Christian fundamental or were they a mix uh, Christian fundamental, all the foundations, especially CSA, totally grounded in mm-hmm. Christ focused. You know, that was our, 
our heart for that and um, making sure, you know, that's what we're speaking as a worldview of going, you know, you can have this foundation but still be out in the world. And then um, the same with Dominion Equippers, not as strict, but it is, it is uh, not, I don't want to say strict, sorry, but it's open to all denominations if you have a denomination, you know what I mean? So, um, but definitely Christ-based in that. So they got a variety of different lives um, through the school and through the outsourcing with that. So that was really good. All right. So now you have sent them off to college or, well, they, they decided you didn't just send them off to college. I'm sure you talked about it and you researched yes. it and they wanted to go to college. But now they've yes. gone. You've waved bye-bye. And that was this year. So how, this what, year. Were your first, what were your first feelings about that when they, when they left? Uh, let's see here. Try to keep it together and be all brave is really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they were so ready and they were so excited in the schools they chose, you know, they being, you know, the identical twins, they went to different schools, which, you know, my heart was like, y'all just go to the same school. And um, uh, they didn't want to. And I'm so glad they didn't because there's their own identities and mm-hmm. really able to do that. But, um, you know, because of the foundation that was laid and how they represent themselves and, and um, their independence and their foundation in Christ, they were able to just really step into it really well. And the schools are, are wonderful. And it was, it was a really good transition for them. And I wasn't sure how it was going to work, um, but um, they're, they've adjusted really well. They've gotten really involved. Um, they're having fun where, you know, it wasn't like just going into this, social shock of, you know, all these people, I think homeschooling really equipped them to, um, to be able to do college well because they had to make their own schedules at home. They, you know, of course we helped and all that kind of stuff, but, but they were responsible for their education and they weren't told every single hour what they had to do. They had to take responsibility and they are blossoming in college and doing really well. So right. it's been a good transition, except for my heart, you know. Except for your heart. Well, we all understand that, Polly. Yeah. <laughs> We're all mums. It's very, very difficult. Um, so when did they, they started last August? August. They went mid-August yeah. and got moved in. Yep. So they've nearly done a year. Um, yes. Well, not really. Well, well first semester. Till. Yeah, they're, they're finishing up their first semester. First semester. So just this past August. Just I mean, what we've August, just done yeah. this year, so not even last year. Okay, okay. Right. Trying to trying to think where I am because we've moved so much. I don't <laughs> even know where I am. All <laughs> I right. Um, so where did they go? Where did they go to college? Where did they decide? So Natalie went to Dallas Baptist, which is about 45 minutes away from where we live. And, mm-hmm. um, and she's living on campus in the dorms. And then Ryan, she went to Abilene Christian, about two okay. and a half hours away from us. Okay. And did you deliver it? Was that a deliberate choice to send them to Christian colleges? Um, it was, it was definitely a focus. Um, it wasn't an absolute must, you know, the, the difference between private colleges and state, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a little ah price wise, but, um, but we wanted them to choose what they thought was best. So we did, you know, college visits and really gave them options, um, because this is their education and we want them 
to really feel at home at whatever school they want to go to. So it just worked out really well that they went to Christian colleges. And, you know, we can't be blinded to think that just because there's a Christian name in the college means that they're fully Christ-based. But but these two schools very much are exactly what they say they are. And so it's just been... Um, it's been great that they chose those schools. All right. And what was their conscious decision behind going to different schools? Have have they got different interests or did they consciously want to do something separate? Yes, mostly just one of them, Natalie. She was like, I really want to go to a school that um, my sister that we don't go to the same school. Yeah. Um, Natalie went into psychology and Ryan is in finance and business and okay. um, going into accounting. And so they're totally separate interests. But, um, you know, it was a little bit of a struggle for Ryan because she, she's like, I want to go to school with my sister. Mm-hmm. And Natalie was really wanting to be independent and, and then trying to do that well where it doesn't hurt Ryan's feelings. And so mm-hmm. we all sat down and, you know, Natalie just kind of talked about her heart and um in in that decision and so um when Ryan's like okay yeah this is this is going to be good and and it has been good and so yes it was a very conscious decision mm-hmm. um to be separate mhm mhm and they're coming home for thanksgiving oh yes absolutely that's always such a big thing you know when i lived in england i would see these um movies and Thanksgiving, the kids, all the kids came home for, you know, from, from college for Thanksgiving. And I thought, gosh, that is so much part of the American way. And I had a friend who thought that was going to happen. She had older children than me. And she imagined once her children went off that they would come back for Thanksgiving, which they did. And they bought friends and she was thrilled about that, but it didn't go the way she expected because they just wanted to stay up really late and go out. And this is a homeschooling family. So, you know, not, not the bad stuff, but they want, and they slept late in the morning. So my friend was all, I want to do this with them and that with them and we'll work in the kitchen. We'll do this. And it all went out the window. I thought, Oh, you know, you see it in the movies, how perfect all of it is. And, yeah. When it happens in reality, it isn't. So I always said to her, you know, you set your expectations too high. Just go with the flow and enjoy. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's definitely how, I mean, and Nat, since Natalie doesn't live that far, you know, she comes home and she'll bring friends and then they'll stay yeah. and then they'll sleep. And, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's so much fun though. I just love having them home. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just have, of course, you know, if all this stuff is laid out around the house, I'm like going, Oh, my mess is big enough, and then I forgot about their mess. <laughs> so, yeah, they take it with them when they leave, it. though, which is good. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, good. Yeah. Well, um, yes, I'm sure it was it was tough for you seeing them off, and but you know, it's it's a heartening to see them go because at least you know that you know you've you've equipped them as well as you possibly can. And now yeah. you can, you can see them reap the benefits, reap the fruit of what you've done as their mum. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's been a thing to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're getting ready to go on our first break here. And, okay. um, uh, when we come back, we'll continue with our, um, talk about how you approached homeschooling and, and, you know, some of the, some of the, uh, 
well, I don't know. I have some questions about, you know, some of the worries that maybe some parents may have once their children um, go away. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment and continue our conversation. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Toginet Radio. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your High on Life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Have you heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff and find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Polly, I know that some of the mothers I talk to, um, once their children are old enough to leave home, and sometimes they leave home before they're old enough to leave home, they're off at 16 or 17, um, mm. saying, I don't, you know, I'm tired of this. I don't um, buy into what are your, fa- you know, the family culture. I just need to go and find myself. I don't want to go to church with you anymore. Or, you know, I want to go and live with my boyfriend. Or they come home mm. and they say, I'm pregnant. Um and that, that's a very difficult time, especially when these families are homeschooling families and have homeschooled for years and years and years. And I think they almost feel as though they're immune from all of that trouble that, that um, the secular world brings on Christian families as well as on um, secular families. And there is no such thing as that kind of immunity, I don't think. And I think... Um, Yes, okay, we can teach our children about the love of Christ and how to put our faith in, in our faith and, and the Lord. And we can show that too in the, in the way we live. But 
what happened? I mean, how, how would you talk to a mum whose child, children, mothers who have children who have, you know, who aren't turning out the way they want them to? And I guess that key is turning out the way you want them to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It's this expectation and this idea of like Mm. that, you know, what you were talking about with Thanksgiving is like you have this picture of how your children should turn out. And there's nothing wrong with having that desire because that's the desire we have for our kids, just like Mm -hmm. God has for us the same Mm -hmm. desire. And um, it's interesting because I actually have a couple of women that we work with that have been in the industry that were homeschooled. And so um, they you know, something happened in their course of homeschooling that they ended up working in the strip clubs in the industry. And and it's interesting getting both sides um, of, of seeing a girl who has been homeschooled and then um, ends up in the industry or, you know, and from a mama's heart. And um, really um, when the expectation, you know, when my girls choose something, that I may not choose or would not choose for them um, or as a mama when they come home and say, hey, I'm doing this or I'm pregnant or I'm drinking and partying and all that kind of stuff is, is to, to separate your emotions so you don't rage on them or get angry at them. You know, you can be upset, absolutely, because that's a normal reaction, but really separating out, okay, what do I feel and then what do I know? Mm-hmm. And so I know that my child, my son or my daughter, um, can make their own choices. Mm-hmm. I feel angry and really wounded and disappointed, um, but I know that I can set boundaries and say, you know, I'm going to love you in this no matter what, but I'm not going to let you um, continue a destructive path and pull everybody else down because mm-hmm. Um, it can be dangerous, and um, but it's also finding the roots to why they are reacting. There's always a root to why they are um, rebelling. You know, that's the only word I can say. And so it's like then you have to kind of lay yourself down and your pride down going, okay, is it something I've done as a mom or dad? Is it something that happened to them as a little kid were they abused in church were they abused by a family member you know usually when somebody's acting out with um addictions or you know being very promiscuous there's usually a root and a reason why that they are doing that and so it's really kind of getting to that root being a safe place for your kids to come to and say mom this happened to me. You know, my daughters have stories that things happen to them and, and allowing them to have a safe place um, and then validating their stories so that even if they do make those choices, if they do come home pregnant or they're out partying and all that, you can say, okay, let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do it, finding professional help for them um, because it's not going to Stop. They'll continue it into their adulthood, which then is generational. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just being very vulnerable, and it's risky. It's risky to be vulnerable with our kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for the mom to be vulnerable, you mean? Yes, very much so. Mm-hmm. Very much mm-hmm. so. And you talk about vulnerability. You say that it is a beautiful fragrance to the Lord. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, yes, okay. Vulnerability, though, can be very dangerous, too, for young people, young children that have, not children, young people who have, who don't have the experience perhaps that we have that when, now that we're older. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and, and we know that God can turn around something that's bad because we have our free will. We can go whichever way we want to go. Um, we know that God can turn that around to become something, um, beautiful for, for God. But during that time of the hardship and the vulnerability and, and maybe the falling into the bad places or the mm-hmm. bad habits or the bad friends is not a happy, is not a, a good time. And I would never say that that would be something that God would want us to be going through. He has, you know, it's like a parent. You don't want to watch your children doing this to themselves. And it's difficult to stand back and watch them progress mm-hmm. through that. You talk yeah. about getting help for your child, but what if the child is already in their 20s? I mean, they just, they can make their own choices, their own decisions, probably have left home, aren't dependent on you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it's really important to um, set up boundaries for you and your family. So if you still have kids at mm-hmm. home and then you've got a, you know, a 20-something-year-old child that's doing this, really then setting up boundaries and loving them you know, loving the child that may be wayward or making these choices and going, I love you, but we're going to meet outside the home when we have lunch or dinner, mm-hmm. you know, just because of the effects they can bring in to your other kids and mm-hmm. building space, very upfront, very verbal boundaries of going, this is what this is going to look like. And, you know, without being, I mean, you may have to be mean. <laughs> you may have to just say, look, you know, I love you so much. I have to say no um, to protect us and to protect you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I if there's addictions, if there's drugs, that's not your kid. If if they're you know high all the time, trying to um, trying to talk to somebody who is like that, that is not truly the person until mm-hmm. they are sober. It's, um, sorry, I'm trying to think of the words to say, but until they're sober, you're not really talking to your child. You're talking to another person, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But, yeah, um, yeah. it is really just setting up boundaries for your heart and praying. And my heart breaks, um, for mamas and dads that, that are watching their children, um, destroy themselves through addictions, through choices they're making, you know, and then, the self-doubt and the shame as a parent going, what do I do? I, you know, where did I mess up? What did I do wrong? And instead of always self turning into self going, okay, God, how can I love my child through this? Mm-hmm. Give me the strength. Give me the eyes to see through your eyes because we're not strong enough to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, our mm-hmm. hearts are going to break and, um, and then just seeking wise counsel and, um, and just when you talk to your child, just loving them, giving them a safe place to talk. Mm-hmm. And, and if they say hurtful things to you, saying, well, you tried to control me. You always mm-hmm. were telling me what to do. And you can just say back to them and validate and say, I am so sorry. 
you experienced, felt like you experienced that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and just saying words like that. And then instead of going, I did not, you know, yeah. and creating yeah. an argument, um, I'm not in that place. And, um, but I know with mamas and talking with the, you know, addictive, addicted children, how, I mean, I was one. Mm-hmm. I was one. And so mm-hmm. how hard it is because I thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so did that change? When you became a mom, did you start to see how hurt your mother must have been? It took a while for me yeah. to see it. Mm-hmm. Until my kids started getting a little bit older, it was like, Oh, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. I know just like a little thing that pricks my heart when I watched my daughters mm-hmm. make a really bad choice. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like, you know, there were times where I'd call my mom going, I'm sorry, you were right. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And, um, and I just, yeah, it, it took being a mama to see, um, to see the choices that I made to, to, to hurt her heart too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then how am I going to do it differently with my children? Yeah. Yeah. How am I going to love them in the moment, but still set boundaries that are healthy for them? And mm-hmm. they, they know that they're safe and that they can come to me. I mean, my girls come to me and tell me everything. And I feel it's because I have allowed a safe place for them. Um, I, I don't sit there and judge them. I don't, you know, say that was the stupidest thing you've ever done. How could you do that? Do you not think of this? Do you not think of that? Cause they're already doing that. They already have the self-critical voice in their head going on. I don't need to add to that. Mm. You know, just asking questions and going, baby girl, I love you. And I bet that was a really hard decision you made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let's talk about why you might've made that decision. And what you maybe can do not to go down that same path again. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) My my daughter makes some some odd decisions sometimes. And afterwards, (laughs) she says to me, oh, you know, I don't, I must have been living on La La Land or something. Because, I mean, she she just has these wild and crazy ideas that that she thinks she, she can do. And I said to her, but you know what, Malia, there was no telling you. I could not have said anything to you about it. I just would listen to you and watch you. She said, oh, no, mom, there was no telling me. And so, but hopefully she's learning each time with her own internal conversation that she has with herself. And uh, yeah, but I'm with you. I mean, she tells us everything. Our children all tell us everything. And it's this, we have to keep this passive face, you know, because otherwise they will just shut up completely and not tell you anything. And I would rather know more than not know anything. That's right. Yes, exactly. It's it's that. Okay. You know, you're screaming on the inside going, are you crazy? Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay, well, that was an interesting choice you made. Yes. <laughs> you know? but then I'm you glad you told thinking, me afterwards so that I know you're safe now. You know, it's just <laughs> That's right. Gosh. And what are you going to do when that comes up again? You know, and, it's, and then it's sometimes they just need to see a pattern. So. All right. We have to go on a really short break. Polly, we'll be back in just yeah. a minute. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
We often ask, is that all there is? Why is this happening to me? Why am I always broke? How am I going to survive this mess? Then join Dr. Geraldine Tegeloff for Nature Spirits Speak, 7 p.m. Tuesday evenings on Toginet.com. Geraldine is a metaphysician, nature intuitive, and prosperity coach who shares with you how she went from totally broke to living what she would call her perfectly prosperous life. Through the combination of a wealth of metaphysical knowledge and her amazing ability as an intuitive, Geraldine brings to you the secrets of her magical journey of healing emotionally, spiritually, and financially. As with the ancient seers and master teachers, Geraldine has a unique gift of being able to connect to the simple yet profound messages brought to us by Mother Nature and happily shares these through today's note to self on her webpage, naturespiritspeak.com. If you need help with your journey, why not connect with Geraldine during her show, Nature Spirit Speak, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central on toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Well, Polly, we have about five minutes or so left, and um, I want to say thank you so much for um, giving us um, an idea that apart from prayer, because a lot of us parents, we, we parents may feel completely helpless and think, well, all we can do is pray. You actually did make some suggestions of how you can, um, you know, sort of do things like setting the boundaries and meeting your child maybe outside the home and still loving on them and um, keeping a relationship with them because to me the most important thing to do is to keep a relationship with my children I don't like those silences you know when one of them gets angry with me and refuses to pick up the phone it just I don't know I just kind of die inside it's just awful I'd rather be talking and sometimes they they want the space from me um, you know so that that talking you know bringing up maybe a painful issue that's difficult yeah Bring, very yeah yeah, but you you think that the talk, but that eventually will break through. You know, if it, you know, with with maybe a son or a daughter who you don't really want to know what's going on in their lives, but you yeah. need to ask them what's going on. Maybe you're the only person that is asking them. Right, and I think it's also a really good time, um, you know, to just kind of self reflect and go, okay. You know, I'm not being able to get through to my child, and how am I, how am I saying things? What am I saying? What am I doing? And sometimes it may be just coming in and saying, "Okay, I am, I'm sorry, and I love you, and um, we're we're going to probably disagree on this, but I just want you to know that I'm going to do my best to not judge you, and I'm going to really watch my words when I sit with you, and really kind of just." you know, surprising them with the way you're going to mm-hmm. communicate mm-hmm. and not come with judgment, not come with, you know, pointing the finger, you have to change this, you've got to do that. Or, you know, it's it's like going, okay, I'm going to love you right where you are. Mm-hmm. I don't like the choices you're making, but that doesn't mean I'm going to, I can't change them for you. So what can we do as as our relationship now, because you're no longer the parent when they're adults. 
you know, mm-hmm. you, I mean, you are, but you move into a different role and mm-hmm. it's like, you know, just really going, okay, how can we communicate? And if it is kind of putting the situation to the side and just going to dinner and laughing and um, just building relationship and having a good time, but not actually talking about the big elephant in the room at the moment, mm-hmm. sometimes that's going to be the kids going to be able to see you as a real person yeah. and then sharing some of your story because we can put up this, look how perfect I am and look and, and then us being vulnerable with our story and just snippets of it and going, you know, I partied in high school and I made some choices. And then that I, I might've parented out of fear mm-hmm. and now I'm seeing you make these choices. You know, I just want you to know that I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, and so kind of just maybe meeting them on an even playing field to just, again, love them right where they are. Oh, and Polly, as they grow up and get into their 20s, you do start having to remind yourself that when you were their age, you were probably doing mm. the same things and <laughs> worrying your parents just as much as, as they're worrying yeah. you. And to remind yourself and also to laugh about it perhaps with your children so that they, you're right. Cause they, they've only seen you or they've probably only noticed you, um, mm. since they were maybe 15 or 16, 14 or 15 or even older, I think, cause I don't know. The children are so caught up in themselves that they don't really notice that much about what's going on with their parents. Yeah. It was, it was a big shift for us with when, um, I started sharing my story with them Mm -hmm. and they were like, Oh my gosh, my mom is real. You know how we put our parents on a pedestal and then you realize, Oh wait, they're not perfect. Mm -hmm. You know? And it, I think it's important for us to do that with our kids. And I think, you know, Start doing that now. If your kids are young, start, I mean, obviously don't tell them the whole thing, but show them that you are real, mm-hmm. that you can't apologize going, you know, mom, I really just really messed up mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm so sorry, you know, and giving them glimpses of a human and not of a superhuman. Mm-hmm. So tell us what's going on with your, with your ministry and um, big plans for the holidays going out. Oh, yes. We um, are getting geared up to go. We actually have outreach in the clubs tonight and um, and then getting geared up for our Christmas night outreach yeah. into every open club. And um, and then just our weekly dinner and groups, we're seeing so many women um, just being set free mm-hmm. uh, and just not, not just getting out of the industry um, and living, but truly thriving. And we've implemented... Um, full-time case management and our wings journey just for women to have a really purposed walk, mm-hmm. um, into knowing who and whose they are. And so the ministry is growing like crazy. Um, and it's well, how's the one so outside much- Texas. I can't that one's doing really well. She just started her weekly groups, um, a few months ago. And so, um, you know, just praying that we've got yeah. a couple of women coming to those dinners and, yeah. uh, and they're doing great on their outreach and it's, a lot of fun and amazing to watch what God is doing. Well, good. And your website, remind us where your website is. Yes. Our website is we are cherished.com. Okay. And, um, and you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and we'll be posting all night while we go into the club. So you know how to pray too. Wow. 
yeah. you do a great job, Polly. It's lovely talking yeah. to you. Well, Thank we've you. come to the end of our time. I've been talking to Polly Wright about how she's dealt with homeschooling and preparing her daughters for the world. We learned how prayer, testimony, and the word of God always pulls her through. And I know you've been delighted by this passionate woman and her restorative message, no matter what the challenges are in your life. Polly's the author of a book entitled Cherished, Shattered Innocence, Restored Hope. She speaks publicly about her life. And as you heard, you can find her at wearecherished.com, a ministry that reaches out to women in the sex industry and provides the community they need when they are ready to leave. I have her site linked at the Sociable Homeschooler and my radio show page. That's really easy. Just click on it and you'll go straight there. We talked about letting go and how sending her twin girls off to college felt. We talked about faith. We heard her infectious laughter, always the encouraging Mm -hmm. sound. Thank you so much once again, Polly, for joining us today and for sharing your powerful story of freedom through the love of God. You have a blessed weekend. You have a wonderful Thanksgiving with your girls and you have a great Christmas and New Year. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Vivian. You're welcome. You're welcome. I hope to talk to you again soon. Yes. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Well, Polly is an amazing person. Go to her website, um, read about her, listen to her show that she did with me. Um, It was a year and a half ago. It was around about April, I think, 2013. So go listen to that and um, your eyes will be open. She's, She's just a wonderful person. Well... I told you last week that I was going to my reading group. They, I'd sent them my memoir, at least half my memoir. And so I was a little bit nervous about doing that um, because it always is nerve-wracking when you hand something over that you've spent a long time working on uh, to critical eyes. But they were very nice. We started the evening with a really nice meal that we've started doing. And um, they liked it. They said they could never have written anything like it, which is good. My story is unique. And um, it spoke to them. So I'm busy doing the rewrites and incorporating some of their comments. But as they said, it's your story. You can leave what you leave it the way you want to leave it. We're just giving, you know, little, little bits of input. And I've given myself a deadline to get it completely finished um, as our Christmas party that we're going to have, which is December the 12th. So really not that far away, a little bit over three weeks. But hopefully with our pending move into a more conducive place to write, I may be able to make myself impose deadline. Another member of our group has also finished her book, so I'm looking forward to reading that. And at last, with some fruit being shown for our creativity. And you know, when I think about homeschooling, I always get a warm and cozy feeling because no matter what those years brought, the challenges, the joys, the worries, the contentedness, we undoubtedly, we grew together as a family. And even if we are all living apart now, that bond is strong and the memories are unbeatable. The holidays were good times. We were all together making quite a crowd on our own. College didn't put a spanner in the works as far as everyone being present and accounted for went. What did mess things up a bit, or at least give give rise to some innovative changes was the advent of the job. All of a sudden, one Thanksgiving, we had a son working at the zoo where every day was a feeding day. You can't give the animals, but they won't give you a day off. And a daughter who worked as a barista where holiday mornings were busy as dad took a moment to get out from under the frenzy of preparation and volunteered to go buy a clutch of coffees to calm everyone down. 
then my blue-eyed cowboy and I went to England, which really disrupted everything. And when we came back the second time, we had newlyweds who wanted to host the turkey. And this year, we have a filmmaker's son in L.A., so he'll be absent, at least in body, for Thanksgiving. He's coming home for Christmas. And now they're all older, there is a different kind of pressure. The pressure to have everything as it was, which, of course, we can't. My cowboy suggested we just go and work at a soup kitchen on Thanksgiving. But when we discussed it honestly together, we both agreed that it didn't sound like a good idea. So I came up with facing the inevitable and hosting breakfast. The married couple will probably be working later in the afternoon. We don't exactly know what the girls are doing. So we thought breakfast would allow us all to do our own thing in the afternoon. And perhaps in the evening, we'll go and meet Dort's boyfriend's parents. So there's the plan. It's flexible. We've still got, what, a couple of weeks? And as Marsha Washburn says, don't fret about the actual day. Enjoy the feast the Lord has given you. So that's what we need to do. And the day after Thanksgiving, I'm staying away from the malls and have invited us along to Homestead Heritage. I think it's near Waco with my self-sufficiency son and daughter-in-law. Why am I not surprised that they're wanting to go there again? They went last year, but we were on our way back to East Texas. So we said, no, we, we can't. We can't join you. So I decided we'd join them this year. And I think my other daughter and her boyfriend may be coming too. And it's about an hour away. Well, no, it's a 100 miles away. So it's more like two hours away. And there are lots of home crafts going on, you know, soap making, jams, chutneys, wood carving and turning, weaving, potting. And there'll be curricula on display too. And maybe I can talk up my show, tell them who I am. And our traditional Christmas card, well, that's going to undergo a facelift too to reflect the fact that we have successfully sprung all four children onto the unsuspecting world. We need to keep up the family card and go with the couple's card. We need to give up the family card and just go with the couple's card. I don't know, that was a little malapropism. I'll still do the letter and try to make it clever, but no pressure. And that's it for another week. I'm going to mass this evening and we're packing up to move tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. I'll be back same time, same place next Friday. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my producer, Casey, my returning guest this week, Polly Wright, and you, my faithful listeners. Go forth in peace for you follow the good road. Go forth without fear for he who created you has sanctified you has always protected you and loves you as a mother blessed be god for having created us Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on 